Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're, je- we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown, Terry Crowell Norris, and Dave Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Uh, let's jump into these announcements. Uh, let me let me just do something a little different today. Uh, hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good, Leroy. How are you? you? Good. Yeah, I thought I'd bring you on early. Just uh, I saw you here. Might as well bring you on so everybody knows Jeff Brown's with us. Uh, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Anyhow, let me get into these announcements here. Uh, I see Dave Fillion's here, so let me bring David on. Uh, just a second here, if this thing's going to work. There we go. Hi, David. How you doing? Pretty good. Leroy, how are you doing, Jeff? Good, good. I thought you'd bring you guys on early in the show today, just because. And Jeff's here, so you might want to say hi to Jeff. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Okay. I don't think he heard me. Good here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let me get into these announcements here. Uh, first announcement: There's a GoFundMe page for Brian Nunnally, Nunnally's now fatherless ch- children, pinned at the top of our Working for a Living page. Please consider going there and donating to his uh, children. Their father was murdered in a Ford parking lot as he left work. That's the least we can do: is get up off the wallet a little bit and give them some money uh, on their GoFundMe page. It's pinned at the top of our, the link for it is pinned at the top of the Working for a Living page. Please, everybody, remember these uh, young people. Number two announcement, the Honeywell workers remain locked out by plant management. There's still no strategy forthcoming from Solidarity House in dealing with this rogue corporation. Our third announcement uh, is a follow-up to last week's show. Uh, just by way of information, in April of 2013, <laughs> I had a transposed number in there, 2103, <laughs> 2013, uh, Martha Roby, a Republican from Alabama's 2nd Congressional District, introduced House uh, Rule 40, or 1406. This is called the Working Families Flexibility Act of 2013. Cutesy name, huh? which would have ended the Fair Labor Standards Act requirement to pay overtime, would have ended overtime. So be vigilant should it reemerge under another cutesy name. We have to watch those things. So I slide these things in all the time. Uh, Announcement number four, the U.S. Department of Commerce recently ruled in favor of of the six U.S. steel companies against steel producers in Australia, Brazil, Japan, Korea, the Netherlands, Turkey, and the United Kingdom for violating international trade laws by improperly subsidizing their steel producers and by dumping hot rolled steel at below market prices in the United States market. Kind of a victory for the steel workers and the steel companies in the United States. Uh, Announcement number five, 
remember to participate in the Working for a Living write-in campaign to oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Announcement number six, our Canadian worker friends now fully emerged into UNIFOR, the national union there, uh, are in the midst of their very tough negotiations. It is expected that they have a strike mandate meeting on August 28th. Also, on Labor Day weekend, the 25 executive officers of the National Union UNIFOR, UNIFOR, will be elected at their convention. In the coming weeks, we expect to have some of our Canadian friends on the show with updates for our listeners. In, in, I just want to take a second on this announcement and just say in the gathering of some of this information, we have a lot more we got updated on today by a friend of the show uh, who's been on, Lindsay. She couldn't make it this evening. But one of the things, there's two things that stuck out in our conversation. One, the workers that are temporary have to sign up on a weekly basis to get work. And then there's favoritism of those people to get selected to do the 40-hour work versus the part-time work, even though they have two categories there. They still play favoritism. And some of these people working for a Detroit 3 company in Canada are getting four shifts a month. It's just unbelievable. The other thing that stuck out is they no longer have uh, paid absence allowance there. Uh, so if you get sick, you have to use a vacation day. Uh, well, that's the only way now, vacation day. And of course, the temporaries don't have vacation time to take that. They just don't get paid at all. And, of course, the temporaries, being the younger people with children at home that might be sick. So... Those things kind of stuck out as unfair in uh, the uh, Canadian auto worker situation currently, so I've just added to that announcement just a little bit. Um, I want to announce on number seven that Tuesday, August 23rd, the 40, 45th anniversary of the 1971, August 23, infamous, emphasis on infamous, Powell Memorandum. That's how all of this suppression, wage suppression, and worker rights suppression began with that memorandum. Uh, and our uh, last, the eighth announcement, is that this Working for a Living radio show is now being syndicated as a podcast on Stitcher.com. Feel free to catch us there through the week iTunes will be coming soon. Also, we'd like to thank our anonymous young friend who suggested those syndica two syndication sites. Thank you very much, brother. We appreciate that. Uh, reading the emails coming in. Um, uh, number one, uh, from Diana, Texas. I was very happy that Jeff was back on last week's show. Thank you, Diana. I'm sure Jeff likes that, too. Uh, likes to hear that he's got some followers out there. Number second, uh, it's not an email, but just sort of a by way of letting you know. We had several other emails and comments uh, that will be read later in the show during the labor as a third party segment. So thank you uh, for those emails. And we uh, remind everybody that our email address is working for a living at working for a living. 
Okay. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Jeff. I think you have uh, an item that you'd like to talk about. Uh, why don't you uh, tell the listeners what you've been working on this week? Okay. First of all, I want to thank Diane for the email. Um, thank you very much. Um, my my topic this week, we talked about it about a month ago. It's um has to do with a labor protest over in France. France government wants to railroad a law to make effect that companies can lay off people, fire people, choosing. Right now the French law doesn't allow that. So it's a good pro-worker item that they're they're trying to do. Um, New labor code will make it easier for companies to lay workers off, reduce overtime payments for hours worked beyond France's statutory 35-hour work week. People aren't aren't buying this very well. They've been having some very big protests over there with the police, and they've been kicking some butt. If you go on our page and find the link, there's a video. And I just watched it for a second time, and these people are wearing motorcycle helmets, anything they can. They are beating the police up who are in riot gear and shields. Um, and these police are backing down. They're actually chasing the police throughout the cities of France. Over this, they are very upset. And the trade unions over there are really pushing this. They're they're fighting up tooth and nail. Um, hopefully, next year when they have their general election, they can vote in a new leader for France. Um, there is some people in the France Parliament. There's different groups. Like they have a labor group. Yes, they have a communist caucus and several other ones. Um, it's a big deal. They took a month off because of their holiday over there. Now they're back at it. Um, of course, this is also going to play into the trade agreement that a lot of people do not know. Uh, it's just like the TPT, but it's the, the Atlantic Trade Agreement between the United States, everybody on the Atlantic side of the ocean. Um, it's just another way to break unions. I guess you can put it in the New World Order category. But um, please check it out. This video, you may not want to show it to kids. Um, it kind of reminds you of last year's riots in Baltimore, but this one is much, much worse. Um, these policemen are just getting their butt kicks, and um, which is kind of good to see as a working man, but we don't recommend violence. We'd rather do it other ways, but it looks like the people in France have had enough, and it's the only way they can fight back. So, Leroy, that's all I've got right now. 
Um, so I'll give my rest of my time up to Dave or Perry. Um, just want to remind people, please check out the videos on our page. And protesters strike back. Um, so that's all I got, Leroy. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Very nice report. Uh, that kind of holds true with your friend that you have over there, one of the reporters that you're friends with, that said that uh, they would probably uh, abate their protests or cut them back until after the holiday season. Of course, you know, you've heard on this show before that much of Europe from the middle of July to the end, near the end of August goes on holiday, uh, unless you're an essential or, you know, some... Uh, retailer, restaurant sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, industry at, at large goes on holiday. And that your friend, uh, reporter, said that after the holiday season, you could expect this to start back up again. And, of course, this, yes, this has now. Yeah, he, he had that spot on. Uh, there were some folks that didn't think that that was going to happen, that this was all done. But, uh, no, this is, this is ongoing and... Uh, this is, these are serious issues over there that they're real worried about. Uh, and, you know, absent uh, sane leadership that, that understands that, you know, working men and women really are the backbone of any economy of a, a country. You just can't rely on these wealthy people to, you know, uh, run the country in a way that's uh, uh, beneficial to the country. Uh, having said that, I, I want to digress just a little bit, but it's relevant to this report that just Jeff just made. Um, there's something called the philosophy of money. And let's just say that you go to the local uh, store with a $5 bill, and this is a pretty expensive loaf of bread, but you buy a loaf of bread for $5. And, of course, the retailer uh, takes that $5, you know, the grocery store, and uh, buys the bread from the wholesaler. And the wholesaler that actually made the bread buys flour and from, you know, the flour processors, and that $5 bill then also buys bags to bag the bread and the equipment to slice the bread. Uh, and then we'll just say that the flour portion, uh, that $5 bill, now we've already got three iterations. This is the velocity of money. How many times a $5 bill will turn over in the economy in a single short period of time? Uh, and, you know, that that goes to the granary, the $5 to buy the flour, the grain to, to make the flour, and then, of course, the $5 goes to buy the grain from the farmer, from the granary, and the farmer needs to buy equipment and seed. So he spends that, equip, that $5 on seed, for example, and the circle goes around and around and around. In this instance, you saw the $5 bill transfer hands six different times, I believe I have. So these, when you have that high velocity of money, that's a good thing for an economy. 
And when it's concentrated at the top in the very wealthiest people where the 90, I think it's 95% is concentrated in the top 3% right now, and that money sits there, and it has no velocity of money. It's not transferring over and over and over again. And that's why if money's in the hands of workers, that the French economy would be far better off rather than it's in the hands of the elite. And that's coming to a neighborhood near you, by the way. Not that we advocate for anything like that, but these protests are serious because people are not being able to feed their families. In our parting comments last week, $9 doesn't feed your family. $9 an hour, that is. So having said that, that's a great report, Jeff. I really appreciate you bringing that to the show this evening. So, um, uh, We had a, a report. Terry's uh, not able to make it, I don't think. And we'll just hold that spot open. She's got a real interesting report. If she happens to make it, uh, we'll, we'll bring her back in. She's got some very important things for everybody in Ohio. Uh, but for now, we'll, uh, we'll hold that and we'll get to Dave. Are you ready to take your uh, spot there, Dave? Sure. Okay, we'll go that one. We're going to start with uh, Volkswagen AG, um, the German workers union there, um, have agreed to uh, raise the wages of their workers, and um, they're also vowing that their employees won't have to foot the multi-billion euro bill to resolve the diesel emission scandal. Um, the wages um, will rise 2.8% in September and another 2% in August of 17 under their new collective bargaining agreement with IG Mattel Union. Um, VW said Friday in a statement they will make a 200 euro, which equates to $225 additional contribution to each employee's pension. Um, Carl Heinz Blessing, um, Volkswagen's head of personnel, um, he is saying that uh, he's grateful that employees are shaping um, their working life in a flexible way, at the same time increasing our flexibility. Well, here in the United States, we all know what flexibility means. Um, at any rate, um, and he is saying it will improve their competitiveness. Um, the pay raises are in line with the 5% raise the union was demanding at the start of pay talks. And um, I guess they're basically saying that it underscores the far-reaching influence workers have at Volkswagen. Labor representatives account for half of 20 seats on the manufacturer's supervisory board and can block important decisions. Um, I have another opinion on that, but we'll save that. Um, they, um, this contract will apply to 120,000 workers at the main VW brand, six factories in western Germany, including the main plant in Wolfsburg, IG Metal. Um, operates in those in those plants 
Also, Volkswagen has set away um, 16.2 billion euros to cover the costs of fixing diesel engines in as many as 11 million cars worldwide that were rigged to cheat uh, on official emissions tests. Um, there's been efforts to repair 8.5 million cars in Europe, and they're off to a slow start at that. Um, while talks here in the United States with authorities over some 500,000 cars in America um, compliant or coming to compliance or buy them back or dragging on. Um, and uh, I'd like to talk about um, some things out that are going on down in Volkswagen. Um, the corporation um, is planning, uh, attempting to push back against ongoing unionization efforts at its Chattanooga facility by pursuing federal court action to stop United Auto Workers from representing a small number of employees at the site. Um, these workers would be 162 skilled trade workers at the site. Um, those workers voted in December in favor of unionization. Um, Scott Neal Wilson, um, he's the head of communications out of Chattanooga, said the company was disappointed with the labor board's ruling. Well, I got news for um, this gentleman, Mr. Neal. Um, skilled trades have a separate ratification vote under the United Auto Workers Constitution. So he probably better get used to that um, and start uh, letting uh, the UAW bargain for these members. Um, let's see if I have any more here. Um, they're they're saying they're disappointed in the in the NLRB um, um, for um, the decision that they made, and uh, they intend to take the necessary steps to have the issue reviewed by a federal court of appeals. So they're still fighting down there um, against the UAW workers. Um, they want all workers represented, and uh, they all want them um, under a works council. Um, that's the part that uh, I said I would save for later. And uh, I'm going to hand that off to you, Leroy, because uh, you speak a fluent German, and um, you're more well-versed on um, uh, works councils than I am. So I'll hand that back to you, sir. Okay. Uh, well, uh, a works council, uh, and, and thank you for that uh, uh, compliment and uh, information for the listeners. Uh, uh, first of all, let me just say this about works councils. Uh, we'll put a little uh, verbiage on, on our page that you can Google yourself. Uh, you will never find out anything about a works council by asking Google tell me about a German's Works Council. It just simply won't, won't occur. Problems with a Works Council will not come up in Google when you just do that like we normally do. However, if you say problems with a Works Council in German and type that into Google, thousands and thousands of pages of complaints 
and comments negative about works councils will come up. The people that think that this is the holy grail for labor are sadly, sadly mistaken. There are, I don't know, probably 100,000 returns when you do it the proper way. We'll put that language in a verbiage on our page for your ability to, and we'll give you the little do-re-me about it on how to do it. Just copy and paste it in the rule, and you will see, and then you'll have to translate those pages, uh, and that's done in, in Google. You just ask them to translate the, the page. And some, I think, you know, we're not promoting any of these, but Firefox does it pretty automatically. Um, when it's, you know, you say that you'd like to have that in English so you can read it. And they do a pretty good job. It's not perfect, but it's a pretty good job of translating from the German language into English so you can read what these uh, complaints are. And they're not good, but, you know, because this is how their, their system works in Germany. If you have a problem on your job, and here we would write a grievance. If it's not a gripe and it's truly a grievance, we would write a grievance in their system and the system they'd like to bring in to Chattanooga and the rest of our UAW eventually is you would just file a complaint with the Works Council. And then the people under Works Council, as David just indicated, will take and review your complaint. And there's salary people on this beholding to management for their money. They're not a part of the union whatsoever. They're on the Works Council. And there are Works Council representatives elected by the membership. And those people also, after a while, become beholding to the company because the company in Europe sends them out to school. Many of the Works Council members attain the level of PhD in their education. So they then sit on the Works Council as a PhD. In other words, a highly educated person, a bachelor's degree, master's degree, PhD. So they sit there with all of this authority and how can you possibly challenge them? Because they have so many credentials who could possibly be better than them in the membership? That's the argument that they make after a while so that they continue to get these people elected. And, of course, they then become very beholding to management. As you've seen in some of our own joint programs, some of the folk there also have more affinity with management after having been there for a while. So... That's the sort of people that are in judgment of your complaint. And if for whatever reason they don't like your complaint and they deny it, you're not allowed or not able, not, there's no method to move it up. This is all in writing, brothers and sisters, listeners. 
This isn't something I'm making up. I'm not lying about this. This is very, very much in into this uh, uh, system. Someone just sent in something here. Uh, somebody uh, into this system. It's ingrained in this system. Okay, it, and it's in writing. If you see the language that was in the uh, uh, agreement uh, down there when they were trying to get their vote to uh, certify the union there, people actually read the agreement, <laughs> and they didn't like it because all of this language is in it, all of it. This is how it works, and they didn't want any part of it. That's why they didn't get their union down there because they were trying to bring in German Works Council. They might have went for just if it was just the UAW. So having said that, uh, in Germany, that's how it goes. It goes up to the, the uh, Works Council. They deny it. And then there's no more grievance procedure inside internally in the uh, Works Council system. The only essential justice you have then is to take it out to the outside court system. That's your second step, <laughs> uh, the outside court system. Now, you're doing this on your own dime. This is your own money that you have to pay to be given union representation that you just spent a lot of union dues for. So works councils aren't all they are cracked up to be. Of course, here in the United States, we see the judicial system that's not skewed towards working men and women, but rather for corporations. So you can imagine what your essential justice would be in the, in the judicial system here in the United States. It's just not going to be good. So, but having said that, that's, that's a, the do-re-me on how works councils progress. Uh, we will put that verbiage on the... the Working for a Living Facebook page, please join it in order to find that. It would be nice if you did that. Um, and uh, then you see a lot of the other information that we have there. It's just a lot of stuff that we, we post there uh, on a weekly basis and daily basis and so that you uh, are brought up to speed. And we report on much of that here on the radio show as time goes by. Um, so th that's the follow-up on on uh, David's report uh, regarding the uh, issues with the Works Council in Germany and what they attempted to bring in to Chattanooga. And that language itself, as they got to read it, as they got to read it, they did not want any part of it in Chattanooga. That's the decision that every individual down there made because these people truly want to be unionized. They just don't want this to be a, some sort of experiment on their back that you know makes it worse than what they already have. And, of course, as David's reported, they're trying to hold over their head a raise or not a raise if they don't have a works council. At the same time, freeze out the international UAW from negotiating on behalf of these duly certified skilled trades workers at Chattanooga Local 42. 
So having said that, uh, I'll swing this back to you. David, I think you have another uh, item there that you want to touch on briefly. Yeah, this is a win-win. Um, the uh, 6th uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals um, have upheld uh, Judge Gershwin Green's um, opinion um, on the ban on straight uh, ticket voting um, that it violates the protection clause of the 14th Amendment of the Voting Rights Act. Um, so um, this uh, had been appealed by uh, um, Secretary of State Ruth Johnson. Um, she wanted that uh, ban reinstated. Um, this let uh, Rick Snyder had signed uh, the straight um, party ticket um, issue into law um, in January. So um, this is a pretty great deal that uh, they've uh, um, upheld uh, Gershwin's uh, um, decision. Um, so as it is right now, um, the, uh, the November straight party ticket voting will continue. Um, but we're not completely done um, yet. Um, with this Republican regime that uh, is here in Michigan. Um, by the way, um, the three judges in the Sixth Circuit, um, they were all appointed by either Barack Obama or President Bill Clinton. Um, here in Michigan, um, we've had straight party ticket voting since 1891. Um, also, during... Um, Hirschman, he is uh, he is an Obama appointee as well. Um, the uh, um, Attorney General of uh, Michigan, Bill Schuette, um who by the way fashions himself as a candidate for uh, governor of the state of Michigan, of, uh, uh, the future. Um, he uh, intends to seek a full review of the appellate, so he's not completely done with that, just like he wants to hold the teacher's money. Um, he is saying that Michigan is no different than 40 other states that have eliminated straight party ticket voting. Um, and uh, he, he intends to file an emergency appeal with the Sixth Circuit for an in-blank review of the full court. Um one thing I'd like to point out, um, when uh, Snyder signed this into law in January, and I remember him saying it, he noted concerns that elimination of straight party ticket option could result in longer lines at the polls. And he asked if they reached out to lawmakers to expand absentee voting options. But that never did take place. And... Uh, Michigan doesn't allow no reason absentee voting. They don't allow early in-person voting or automatic voter registration or online um, voting. So, um, to me, in my opinion, um, Snyder has gotten just what he wanted um, when he signed this. So it's great that it was overturned. Um, it's my belief that what he sought was longer lines of voting polls that would discourage voters from voting. And uh, I feel that in November, 
a good deal of these Republicans are in some trouble um, with the issues that happened in Flint. They have nine dead citizens of Michigan who died of Legionnaire's disease and hundreds of children who were poisoned by lead. Uh, a lot of people looking at that. So I'm sure that longer lines, um, that would benefit him in some way. So that's my report on that, Leroy. I'm going to hand it back to okay. you. Okay. Thank you, David, uh, for your wonderful report that you had. There are two of them in there. Uh, Jeff, um, did you have anything you want to add or discuss about either one of David's reports, either the Chattanooga Works Council, pay, their pay raise there that they're not getting, or the uh, Sixth Circuit decision? No, not really, Leroy. I don't have anything on, on my mind. Um, okay. I want to give you a full opportunity because yeah, we mm-hmm. try to have discussion after the, the issues. I. Uh, probably was a little remiss on the first one. I should have asked you right then, but, uh, of course, David had another report. Okay, thank you. Uh, Having said that, uh, we'll move on uh, on, uh, to cover the appeals and the status of the appeals as they are. Uh, Of course, Art Peterson thanks each and every one of you listeners who have and and others who have supported him in his appeal going forward to the public review board the highest internal step within the UAW uh, he very much he's expressed that to me a number of times in conversation with Art Peterson uh, he's very grateful for all the support he's been given uh, so having said that uh, he has an Article 32 appeal that he's uh, uh, begun back in December. And this is an ethical standards appeal uh, on the election itself uh, and how it was conducted. Uh, Art went through the appeal process at the International Executive Board. They had a hearing and they took all of that under it. Uh, consideration and they answered art some a month or so ago I'm not going to get into the exact dates because everybody's going to want uh, the, the, that timeline to be specific but we're, we are definitely timely art, art is definitely timely in his appeals and things uh, but having said that uh, he, t- uh, he, he got their answer in July from the International Executive Board and the UAW Constitution when, uh, is very clear on how an Article 32 progresses. When Art filed his appeal with the IEB, he was required to also send a copy of his appeal to the Public Review Board the next step up. So they know it was kind of common as being, in, you know, being considered at the second step, the IEB, International Executive Board. So, uh, upon their decision and denial, he properly then considered their answer and wrote his own answer, a response to their answer, and forwarded that to the Public Review Board for its, his appeal to the, the Public Review Board step, PRB. Well, 
that seemed like it would handle properly. But he got a letter, uh, as well as several other people got copied the letter, saying that Art needed to file this Article 33. Notice they changed the article number. They said it was an Article 33, and his is a 32. And Article 33, very clearly in the Constitution, says that when you appeal after the IEB decision, when you appeal, if you do, to the Public Review Board, you must do that to the Public Review Board in care of the international president of the UAW. And for an Article 33, that's the proper method. Now, they sent him a letter saying that his Article 33 wasn't properly submitted, and he needed to submit that through, but they also were going to send it through the uh, uh, international president. Well, they did, and there was no action taken. Of course, fashioned a letter and sent that appeal into the PRB in care of the international president with a letter that said, please forward this to the uh, Public Review Board in uh, compliance with the letter that he had. He also noted that he had a couple of issues, one being that it's an Article 32, not an Article 33, and an Article 32 is properly submitted directly to the Public Review Board. Now, Art has mentioned that he would like the Constitution to be cleaned up so that there is no difference between an Article 32 and an Article 33 going forward into the Public Review Board simply one method or the other, but not both. It shouldn't be that the, con the language in the con UAW Constitution should not be that different or, as some would say, obfuscated. So uh, he's uh, looking to get that corrected under a new administration. Uh, so he's forwarded that to work team working for a living for the consideration to do that in the future. So, but uh, as soon as Art sent this in, I believe he sent it in Tuesday, they must have received it like Wednesday, and I might be uh, a day off, I'm not, because it got pretty foggy. We were doing a lot of work well into the night, 2.30 mornings, writing uh, between uh, he and I, because I assisted him a little in his writing. Uh, and so, but they got their answer uh, Wednesday or Thursday. They properly, once they received it from him, then they properly forwarded, well, according to the letter from the Public Review Board, immediately over to the Public Review Board and CC'd everybody on the, the previous uh, uh, distribution that he got his answer from the IEB. So his answer was then disseminated between everybody in the administrative staff uh, that, that's, you know, a pertinent party. Uh, so then uh, he uh, rest assured that either properly through his Article 32 that was properly filed directly to the Public Review Board or in compliance with an errant letter that was sent to the 
from the public review board to our, to comply in a different way in accordance with an Article 33, completely different set of circumstances and a different article in uh, the appeal process. So he is now uh, covered in either instance uh, in a timely fashion uh, to the public review board. Now the public review board, having received this from the uh, president of the International UAW sometime on uh, late mid, mid to late week, uh, sent him a, a letter with all the rules for the public review board. Um, and of course that's online for anybody that wants to see that public review, UAW public review board dot org, I think. Um, you can go there and, and review their rules, uh, the same things that they sent him. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago about sending in a letter of support just to show that uh, Art uh, had, it wasn't just him, but there were a number of people that were really concerned. And we certainly urge you to continue to do that. Uh, also, according to their rules, now he received his letter from the Public Review Board with the rules in it, and he's now got a case number, 1757, uh, at the Public Review Board. And if you choose to support uh, a position, take a position and support uh, or anybody can write a, a position paper, not just a letter of support, but you can write a, pos a position paper into the public review board and you have 15 days to do that. And that time frame begun Saturday the 20th. Saturday the 20th. It has to be postmarked uh, no later than 15 days hence if you choose to write in a position paper. So you still may have some input to this uh, by way of a supporting position paper, uh, not just a letter of support as we uh, got out there. So uh, we're not predisposed to write a, write a whole position paper for you, but if you are, uh, please feel free. Uh, if you need additional information, contact the the, uh, uh, any of us on team working for a living uh, and or send in a message uh, on the uh, working for a living Facebook page uh, and we'll just just make a post and if you're asking additional information so that you might make a position paper uh, we'll be happy to get that to you and I know Art would uh, he's uh, I told him that we're going to offer that uh, and he's uh, uh, freely offered the appeal for anybody that wants to review it, review it and make their own position paper out of it. Uh, so that's where Art's appeal is at at the moment. We can expect that this takes uh, several months to fashion a hearing and uh, uh, oral argument to the public review board and then several months for an answer to come from them after that. The next step would be out to the the uh, court system. Uh, that's how that goes. After fully exhausting the internal procedures of the UAW, uh, then the next level of uh, appeal would go out to the court structure. So uh, that again, that's where Art uh, Peterson's uh, appeal and this appeal is on ethical practice appeal on 
how the election was conducted at Ford Local Union 600 in the Detroit area. So uh, there are a number of things that seem to be uh, in, in violation of not only uh, the UAW Constitution, but perhaps the National Labor Relations Act as well. Uh, having said that, there's another appeal that's already at the uh, uh, Public Review Board. It's been there since, I believe, late May, early June. Uh, and that is on the issue of allowing uh, pension plan participants uh, are properly allowed to vote on the pension plan items and the UAW, in its infinite wisdom, after bifurcating the membership with the 2007 agreement, having taken pension plan, health care, and cutting the wages by half of the Tier 2 people, uh, they are not in the pension plan. Yet uh, UAW allowed them to vote on a pension plan that had some very, very bad language in it, and we've talked about this on the show, they put the Pension Protection Act of 2006 in the language and allowed and incentivized Tier 2 workers to vote yes on this agreement, and they were not in the pension plan. And that is under appeal that they should not have been allowed to vote, and there should be a revote on the uh, matter uh, of the Pension, pension plan, especially that they allowed people non in, not in the plan to be incentivized to be voting yes on this. Uh, having said that, if this is successful there, in a revote, you can expect that the pension plan pension protection language would be removed. I'll go over that one more time and tell you that the uh, pension protection act. If the funding of the pension plan falls below 80%, there is a reduction of the vested portion of the pension by half. And you would get the lesser of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation protections or half of the calculation of the vested portion of your pension. And just so you know, anybody under 62, there vested portion is between fourteen and $1,500, and the rest of it's a supplement. They lose the supplement. They get half of their vested portion of the pension around uh, 14, we'll say 1400 If they had $1,500, we will just say 1500 They would get half of that $750 a month after having been getting 3200 or very close, 3170 I guess it is. Uh, still. So having said that, uh, this is pretty bad. Any market constriction uh, of the, you know, the marketplace, the, the stock market, the real estate market, will cause these uh, things to fall, these pensions to fall below the 80% trigger. If it falls below 60%, the funding of the pensions, the pensions are eliminated. They just don't get paid until such time as it comes back above 60%. And then he'll pay for a year until maybe it falls, falls again. Who knows? Uh, so 
these are very, this is very bad language to have in this agreement. Uh, we opposed, the UAW opposed that, labor opposed it in general when it was being negotiated and passed into law, uh, in, or deliberated and passed into law in 2006. And here we are with it now in our agreement. There will be no appealing to the legislature or the Treasury Department as the Teamsters did in the central states Teamsters pension to, to stop their reduction in their pension. This will be automatic because it's contractual. There will be nothing that you can do to stop this. Zero. Every judge, every attorney, will any, any of the National Labor Relations uh, entities, ERISA, the National Labor Relations Board, will simply say, too bad, it's in your agreement. We told you last fall, a year ago, in, in the fall of 2015, this was in there and still in there. So uh, when this occurs, we feel <laughs> that this is going to happen and it's not going to be good for our membership. Uh, so having said that, that's what this appeal, the, the gravity of this appeal on the the voting people not in the pension plan, voting yes, being incentivized to vote yes on it, that's the gravity of this appeal. It affects virtually every retiree in exist, that's, that exists today. Nearly a million Detroit three retirees have potential, are going to potentially lose at least half of their pension. Now, after your age 62, it's much better because Social Security comes in and picks up much of the portion that the supplement now has. So it's a little better if you uh, uh, are over 62. But below 62, it's going to be absolutely devastating for people who've retired be before age 62. Just know that. That appeal is at the Public Review Board waiting, pending a hearing and an oral argument at the hearing. Uh, we don't know when that's going to be scheduled. Uh, we rely on others to let us know. There were a lot of games played, obfuscation of the system, outright illegal actions taking place, ignoring appeals. My own appeal was ignored. It was properly submitted in a timely fashion. Tudor Hall, and it was ignored was not considered at the membership meeting. So that's the sort of uh, leadership that we have at the local, regional, and national level of our union. If it suits them, that's so be it. If it doesn't suit them, and even if they've hurt us in the process, then they just ignore us. So, But having said that, uh, the appeal is at the public review board, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Again, the outside court system will be uh, considered if it is not uh, ruled on as favorable and, and order a new election uh, in, in, the, in the system. Uh, unfortunately, the only division that has an active appeal is the General Motors division. Uh, we would really rely on the uh, 
common sense of the International Executive Board to take that decision if it's favorable for the for the workers on who voted and who didn't vote and apply it to all of the divisions. But we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do uh, if, if we get a decision. And we're going to pursue this until we get the proper decision because it was simply wrong. Absolutely wrong. So that's the update on both of the appeals for you. Uh, any uh, discussion by Jeff? Do you have anything to add to that? I know you've been part of part of uh, Art's appeal uh, in reviewing a lot of the stuff. Uh, would you uh, have any comment on that now? Now, Art can use as much help as he can get. Um, if people, we encourage people to uh, mail in letters to support them. What this is is voter fraud, plain black and white. It's fraud in that election. I don't care how they cut it up, but what the union did there at that local was, uh, without a doubt, criminal, in my opinion. So that's all I got to say, Leroy. I just I can't believe they did that and expect to get away with it. All right. Th thank you for your comments, Jeff. And I share your uh, feelings that it was criminal. Uh, in nature, uh, certainly there's. An, I can't tell you the number of uh, uh, federal laws that we considered uh, in that the, the, the formulation of that appeal. So it's just it's a horrible situation and a horrible occurrence and actions taken by people that should have known better that subverted the democratic. Procedures. So, having said that, David, do you have anything to add on the uh, um, appeals? No. Um, other than um, um, I got some time this week. Um, you know, I got a lot of things I'm working on, but I will um, fashion together um, a letter of support for um, Art and uh, get that out this week, Leroy. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's Position. Uh, this is a you're going to fashion. It's a, a position. Uh, it's a position. position. Any anybody can make any position they want. You know, but we're asking you to support it, uh, make, have a position paper. Uh, and uh, you know, I guess we could go over some of the elements. I mean, they 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 didn't <laughs> they didn't have a they weren't checking people off as they voted. They didn't have a list saying, oh, we'll just not even not even multiple lists. They didn't have a list at all. They just said, well, that was so-and-so that, that voted. That was so-and-so over there that voted. He come over, didn't check them off. They had a list. I guess they did have a list, but they, they didn't even check them off before they voted. They had a there bucket actually, that they put. There was right, actually please. video, Leroy, posted to different uh, Facebook pages with Taylor Dunn riding around the plant with a trash can collecting votes. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that I would and have the, uh, captured one of those and kept it. Yeah. One of the uh, uh, elements were 
there was exactly 500 ballots different between the national and the local union. Exactly 500. They're supposed to be the same, but there were exactly 500 ballots additional for the national uh, aspect of the agreement because they vote on the local agreement too at this time. So the the vote had for the national agreement had additional 500 votes. Brothers and sisters, that's an exact ream of paper. Exact ream of paper, 500 sheets. Just saying. Uh, so having said that, this this <laughs> it doesn't get any uglier, and we claim to be the cleanest union in the United States. Uh, I I didn't see that this time, not at all. This is the worst election I've ever seen since I hired in at General Motors as a UAW member in 1969. This is the worst election I've ever seen and the worst agreement. Second, maybe, i I got to say that cutting wages in half was probably the worst one. But now when you cut retirees' pensions in half or have the propensity to do that. That's bad, too. So uh, We are at an hour. Uh, we have the other issue of... Uh, we didn't see Terry. She's probably uh, um, um, doing something around... Yeah. They were, um, it doesn't yeah. look like Terry's going to be able to make it tonight. Ms. Vera will um, extend the time for me. I'm ready to report on Terry's issue. Okay. Uh, okay, David, go ahead and report on that. It's, uh, it's a real important issue, so everybody needs to know this. So go ahead, David, report on this, okay. this issue. This is another ta attack on workers in Ohio. Um, legislators down there have been um, looking at um, more than a decade. Um, they worded as um, avoiding um, unemployment compensation shortfalls. They've uh, put together a new joint legislative committee. Um, they'll start meeting in nine days. Um, they're going to explore ways to ensure long-term solvency of the unemployment compensation system down there. Um, we're talking Ohio, which has been um, forced to borrow from the federal government over the, over the years as it pays out more in benefits than it collects in business taxes. Um, uh, the committee will uh, um, craft a bill for lawmakers to consider when they return to session in November. Um, this um, would ensure that Ohio's compensation system is sustainable um, for uh, the continual growth of business in the state. Um, now, Wherever there's uh, Republicans in power, um, the workers are last. But at any rate, um, after the recession hit in 07, Ohio's unemployment fund fell deep into debt. Um, there were $3 billion in the hole. Um, and again, they're citing Ohio business owners. Um, it costed them uh, hundreds of millions in federal surcharges. Um, the uh, intent um, 
organized labor and advocates of the poor blasted um, this proposal. Um, naturally, they would because um, what they're proposing to do would cut benefits from 26 weeks to 20 or 12 weeks, depending on the state unemployment rate tied to the lowest benefits in the nation. It would also have reduced benefits for those who collect, are collecting Social Security and prohibited benefits if a worker violated an employee handbook. Uh, that's about what I know about this issue down there, Leroy. Um, so um, that's pretty much it for me on that. Okay. All right. Thank you, David. D- Jeff, do you have anything to add to that? Just more attacks on, attacks on American workers. It's getting bad. Um, one day maybe the American people will wake up and do what France is doing right now. Fighting back. Um, something's going to stop somewhere. And it's getting too far out of hand. And it's unacceptable. So that's all I got with you. Yeah. Terrible. Okay, thank you. Terrible Jeff. attacks. Yeah, it's a ter- terrible attack on working men and women in Ohio and in Michigan and all across the country. Let me Let me just add to the Ohio unemployment issue by bringing something in from the Michigan uh, legislature that, uh, and I'll go back a a couple decades, Uh, in 1994, they capped unemployment uh, at uh, the payouts, Uh, they capped it at uh, like $185 a week. Those have gone up a little since then, but not much. But they capped it, and we were, you know, making inroads. It'd go up according to, infl- uh, you know, cost of living. Uh, so it'd go up pretty, pretty regular. Uh, uh, so that people would, you know, that weren't in a union, it didn't affect, you know, people in in the UAW much because we had what's called supplemental unemployment benefits, subpay, and that makes up to a certain percentage of our 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 base rate, ninety five percent. So uh, we we would always get that as long as uh, we we uh, qualified uh, and didn't run out of benefits, et cetera. Uh, but having uh, having said that, they capped it the, the the payout, but they the businesses had always paid a percentage of the hourly rate to the the state. They'd always paid a percentage, okay, so that that then would just continue to build and grow. And in 1994, they capped the amount that they could collect total in the fund of $2 billion. It could never go above $2 billion. They capped it at one of the better times in the economy. In 1994, it was a pretty good economy. I had a state legislator by the name of Sandra Hill, house rep, from the northwest side of Flint, Michigan, the Flushing, Montrose area, tell me unemployment's gone, it'll never be around again. It's all gone. And those rose-colored glasses remind me of today when we look at the stock market at 18.5 and everybody's saying, oh, isn't this just lovely? It's just grand to be up here. 
at this level. It'll never go down again. It's always going to go to the moon. Well, just like unemployment came back, we can expect to see a constriction of the market. And that's the other side for the other issue that we talked about, of the retirees and the pensions getting triggered. But as you know, unemployment did come back in in large measure, okay? And we didn't have that uncapped money. It probably been $6 billion instead of just the two. And that would have funded a lot of people to get unemployment for longer periods of time and greater numbers, allowing for what we talked about earlier, velocity of money, moving of money within the system is the sign and the measure of a healthy economy. When it gets slow, and I'll put that chart up. I have a chart of the current. Uh, I won't do it to this, this week. I'll put it in next week's show uh, slide. You'll be able to see it there. You'll have to watch the show to see the slide. So tell your friends. <laughs> if you want to see the slide for velocity of money, you're going to have the, the graph. You're going to have to watch the show and see the slide as it goes by. And it'll stop for a few seconds. You can see. You too can see. So there you go. Another reason to watch the show next week. Uh, but I'll put that slide in there. It's, it's, I'll tell you this, it's not good. We talked about velocity of money. But when they capped that, getting back to the unemployment, when they capped it at $2 billion, all there was was $2 billion in a bad time. And, and of course, it takes a lot more money than that, you know, to pay the unemployment to people that are harmed. And they say, oh, them poor people, they shouldn't be making that much money. Them people, they're no good because they're making that much money. Well, this was my argument to Sandra Hill, so that you know. I said, the unemployment gets paid, and for the first six months, get benefits to people. And then after that, it starts to affect, if it doesn't get paid, then it starts to affect the mom-and-pop shops because they didn't get enough or as much. And they start having financial pain and woe. And then after a year or so, the large corporations start to feel it, and you start seeing drought in the sales of large uh, ticket items, whether car or the furnace or washer and dryer, whatever those are. You start seeing people not buying those things unless they absolutely have to. So unemployment came into being in the Fair Labor Standards Act, by the way. We talked about it last week in 1938. And it was designed because of the Depression, the 1930s Depression, it was designed put a floor under those really bad cycles to the downside. The apex of a cycle, is, or the top of a cycle is called the apex, and the bottom of this cycle is called a nadir, and N-A-D-E-R. And it, as you smooth out that bottom nadir so it doesn't go so deep, you didn't have these depressions and recessions. And we didn't have them you know, we had some recessions, but never any depressions. There were like 10 depressions 
almost every decade or so, you know, in our country up until 19, the 1930s. So those sort of went away because of unemployment insurance and payouts. And now they pretty much did away with it. So there's a financial lesson for you. You know, they certainly minimized it. They didn't do away with it. They certainly minimized it to a degree that it's really affecting our country's financial well-being. And in the educated opinion of this person, we're about to see some more of that. I don't want to be the purveyor of doom, but there are certain facts out there that are just going to come back. It's just like the unemployment's gone argument. Stock market's going to stay at 18.5 argument. is going to go the way of the buggy whip. Simply not going to be there for very much longer. Uh, and that's bad for all of us, but you know, you try and benefit yourself as you can. Again, nobody's a soothsayer, so but I'm just, in my opinion, thinking that out loud. Uh, having said that, uh, uh, that's my what I had to add to the unemployment issue. We have one more issue that we had on the on the on the schedule tonight, and that's our uh, third party roundtable. Uh, does anybody have an objection to carry that over one more week? We had five writers in. We could call for some more writers or commenters uh, on the third party issue. Uh, uh, we're at uh, an hour and 14 minutes now. Uh, Jeff and David, are you okay with, uh, we'll cover that, we'll carry it over next week? Yeah, no, that's up to you. I think, I think it's okay if we carry it over to next week. Uh, just get a few more writers in on a third party issue. We'll see how many okay. more we get. Uh, we had, you know, some pretty decent comments on this. Uh, and uh, we didn't get any attached uh, TPP uh, 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 opposition letters, but you know we did get some some email and some comments. So we'll, let's just carry that over. We're going a little long tonight, so having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have anything else to add this evening? Uh, no, sir. I'm, I'm set. We said we're going oh. long, and oh. we carry it over to next okay. week. Okay. Uh, uh, David, do you have anything at all, anything on any mat subject matter at all that you want to uh, add in this evening? No, I'm good, Leroy. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I would add is I want to give a, a hearty shout-out to our brothers and sisters in Canada under the uniform umbrella, the auto workers that are under the uniform, all of them in, under the uniform, uniform umbrella, but in particular, our, our brothers and sisters in the auto industry in Canada that are going through very tough negotiations in a time when it's just really difficult to be uh, uh, somebody negotiating against this seemingly uh, juggernaut that's, that's just suppressing wages and working conditions at every turn. Uh, it's just unconscionable, some of the stuff that's going on here in the United States and also in Canada. So having said that, a shout-out to you, and good luck with your negotiations. We wish you the very best. We'll be 
updating more as that goes along. We'll see how your your uh, man. What is it? Your man. What do they call it? the uh, uh, mandate uh, strike mandate meeting? Uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I think that's next Sunday, so we'll see how that turns out for you. Uh, that's at the I believe Ford is holding theirs. I'm not sure where GM and Chrysler's at if they have the same time or not. But uh, uh, having said that, we'll uh, we'll close the show out here and uh, uh, shout out to everybody around uh, the nation, all of our friends in um, Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana. Lansing, Michigan, Toledo, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Santa Cruz, California, everyone else around the country, and the world, including Mexico and Canada, that listens in. Our hearts continue to go out to the family of Ryan Nunnally, and these children need to have you go over to their GoFundMe page, and it's only a 10% of their goal so far. Go to their GoFundMe page and donate a little, even if it's 10 bucks. Just give them a little something, because this really should be a no-brainer. We had a member murdered in the parking lot on the way out, and you UAW leaders in office that get these big bucks, get up off your wallets and donate to this family in their time of need. Having said that, if you found value in this show in any measure, please tell just one other person. I want everybody to say stay safe. The team wants everybody to say stay safe and throughout the week, the coming week, and we'll bid you good night. Good night, Jeff and David. Good night. Good night, Larry, Jeff. Night. Night, listeners.